23 to 25. Um, so we jump just a little bit. Um, and so while you're turning to this passage, let me just say that village, the Bible is central to everything we do. The Bible is God's primary way of speaking to his people and it shapes everything we believe and everything we do. The Bible is God's word, his gift to us, the church. Because of this, after I've finished reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. And after we've all, and we will all respond together, thanks be to God. If you don't own a Bible um, and you would like one, there are Bibles at the back and feel free to take one. Um, and so now let's read. Okay. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very good retro, oh sorry, um, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the foot of his table, the seating of his officials and the attendants of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the report until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as, there, as these that the Queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. And King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom, and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put on his mind. Every one of them brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. This is the word of the Lord. Do you want to come on up then? Um, so everyone, this is uh, Len. Um, he comes from the far, far away land of South Dublin um, and came all the way um, to be with us uh, this morning. Um, one of my most one of the most encouraging things about being a Christian is uh, paying attention to the wider church and um, how incredible it is that God has promised to build this church and he's doing that all over the world, uh, even in South Dublin. <laughs> and even here in South Belfast as well. Um, so uh, Len is an elder in uh, Shankill Bible Church in South Dublin and uh, studied with Andrew through Crosslands um, and so is a, is a good friend. Um, I have learned that you have four kids aged five and under, so I'm just amazed that you got out the door in one piece. Um, so That'll remind me. <laughs> so uh, thank you for being with us this morning. I'm looking forward to what you uh, have to share with us. Um, I'm going to pray for Len. I want to invite you to, to pray with Len with me, um, and uh, we'll ask God to, to work in our hearts this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your gift of the church. Um, Lord, we thank you for these gospel partnerships that exist across boundaries, um, across seas and oceans, um, and even uh, for friends that are close by in neighboring cities. Um, 
Father, we believe in your Holy Spirit. We believe your Spirit is real and living and active, living in us, magnifying uh, the risen Savior. Holy Spirit, be with Len as he preaches from, um, from the Bible this morning. Holy Spirit, be with us as we listen. Um, it's so important that uh, we pay attention to our own hearts too, Lord. Please work in our lives this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Thomas, even. I've got Andrew in my mind. Um, great to be here. Uh, it's a blessing. Um, when I first met Andrew uh, a few years ago, all he talked about was this idea that he had to plant a church. And uh, here we are today. Praise the Lord. Let me uh, pray briefly, and then uh, we'll get into this text together. Our great God, uh, we do thank you for this morning. Please warm our hearts for your son, Jesus, as we look at the scriptures together in his name. Amen. Well, when was the last time that you met somebody who blew you away? Maybe you've met uh, someone famous before. Maybe it was an actor that is well known. Maybe you met uh, a musician that these uh, songs that you love. Maybe you met a politician. Uh, maybe you met them one day randomly. You just bumped into them on the street, got a selfie. Or maybe you queued for hours to see them at a convention like I maybe have. Maybe you were with them for a minute, or maybe you got to spend a chunk of, of time with them. I can tell you the key to preserving a great experience of meeting someone famous for the first time, very, very simple key, keep it short. Because when we've heard about somebody who does great things, and they do stuff that we like, uh, it builds up an image of our, in our mind of them, of what we think they are as a person, which of course may not be like how they are at all. And what happens is the longer we spend with people, the more we get to see inside them, and we realize, wait a second, this person is just a human being like me. And that can be disappointing. And there's this phrase that we've heard, don't meet your heroes, and that's where it comes from. But let me tell you, today's passage has for us a meeting between a woman, the Queen of Sheba, and King Solomon, and this queen, well, she had heard of the fame of Solomon. She didn't just randomly bump into him one day. She came a long way, and that meeting with him, it did not disappoint. Man, was it worth her journey? She would not forget it, and the Bible doesn't want us to forget it either, because it shows us what every encounter with Jesus should be like. Because we hear about him, we want to see him for ourselves. And it's an encounter that we don't soon forget, and it impacts the rest of our lives. And that's the undercurrent of today's message, because the whole earth is called into the presence of God's King, just like this queen was. And when we're there, Christ takes our breath away, brings blessing, he gives and receives. And that's our three points uh, for this morning's message. So first of all, we're going to see that God, God's king takes our breath away. Now, we sometimes describe a, a view 
as being breathtaking, don't we? It's a figure of speech that we use to say that something that we're looking at in that very moment just stops us in our tracks. It arrests us. There's nothing more to say. All there is to do is just look and admire the view. I can, be, I can remember being stopped in my tracks once uh, on Dunleary Pier. Now, Dunleary Pier, uh, Dunleary is in my hometown where I grew up in, uh, in South Dublin. And uh, there's, a, there's a harbor there and a big pier that used to take in uh, the Stena ferries, which I don't do anymore. But the, the, the harbor's still there, the pier's still there, and you can walk it. It's a nice walk. And I was walking uh, there not too long ago, and there was an artist selling his, his paintings. And there was one that he had of, I don't know what it was, maybe it was the sea or the sky mixed together. And his use of color made me just stop in my tracks. My favorite color is turquoise. And that's the color he was using. Now, I'm not, I'm not overtly into visual art like this. Um, so it was strange that I just had to stop and like, just look at this thing. Can't explain it. I guess you could say it was breathtaking. Of course, he sees this happening. He's caught a live one. And so he comes up and talks to me about, about his painting that he wants to sell me. And we had a nice chat. And then he tells me the price. My wife squeezed my hand and it was time that we had to, had to leave. <laughs> but it was that kind of thing that was going on with the queen. She, the queen of Sheba, she had heard about the wisdom of this king all the way in her own land. And she makes the journey to come to him. And her experience of him leaves her breathless. Your version may say she was amazed, overwhelmed, or that there was no more spirit in her. Well, what was she taken by? Well, firstly, he was able to answer all her questions. I know we read uh, the passage already. Can you just read it again with me? Verses 1 to 3. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great uh, retinue or a caravan with car camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. So he was able to answer her questions. Now, I'm actually a, I'm a maths teacher, or maths teacher, as you guys say, up here in, in the secondary school. And if there's one question I'm asked over and over again, is, sir, when will we ever need maths outside school? And I have a bunch of answers to that question, none of which seem to satisfy all, all my students. Um, but whatever you think about my answers to that question about mathematics, Solomon's answers were full and direct to this queen. And it convinced her that he knew what he was talking about. And it was enough to leave her breathless. So he answered her questions. But she was also taken with how he applied his wisdom. You heard about this? And that's what brought her to come. But she needed to see it for herself. Uh, let's read again verses 4 and 5. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he'd built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the intendants of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. So when she saw the house that he'd built for himself in chapter 7, the exquisite engineering that went into it, when she saw the full table of food he was able to feed for himself and his servants that he had, and how they were dressed, when, when she saw the temple of the Lord in full operation, her breath was taken away, she was overwhelmed because she realized 
though she was a queen herself, there was no other king in all the world like King Solomon. Verse 23. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Solomon was absolutely unique. He surpassed every other leader and monarch of his day. And when we read of life under his rule, we're not to mourn and think, oh, well, we missed the boat then, didn't we? Shame we weren't alive back then. No, because it's just a taste of life under God's ultimate king, his son, Jesus Christ. Christ himself said of himself, someone greater than Solomon is here. And all we have to do to meet him is open the pages of this book. We don't have to travel caravan style to encounter this king. The Holy Spirit brings us to him. And we read about him in God's word to us. That's something we've done. Come to Jesus, God's king, the Bible, to see him for ourselves. This is something that we continue to do. It's there in, in his word. That we can meet him for ourselves. And when we find out who he is, there is none like him. He can take our breath away. You may say, like the queen, show me. I've heard about this Jesus, but I need to see him for myself. I say, read for yourselves. The first-hand eyewitnesses who lived with Christ and said, I quote, that which we have heard and seen with our own eyes and touched, the word of life. Solomon built a house, yes, but Christ has been building a church for 2,000 years, and today it spans the globe. We should be in awe of him and on what he's doing in the world, healing hurtful wounds, binding the brokenhearted, forgiving sin, listening to us, enabling us to forgive others, restoring people to fellowship with their God. You say, okay, yeah, he's good. He might be good, but I've got questions. I say, bring them to him. Christ spent a good chunk of his earthly ministry answering questions of the skeptical and has answers for us today. Questions like, why do we exist in here? What am I to do with my life in here? Why has this happened to me in here? This word not only has the answers to our questions, but he is the answer to all our questions. He is not just a wise king, he is wisdom. And he not only knows God intimately, he is God. He surpasses any other leader, leader at the world has seen on a human scale, but also on a cosmic scale, because no other king was himself God incarnate. A person of the triune God is Jesus Christ. Solomon was unmatched until Jesus came. We should be in awe of him. He should stop us in our tracks. Meeting him is not a letdown. Does not disappoint. God's amazing king is building his kingdom to the glory of God. God's king takes our breath away. Secondly, God's king brings blessing. 
Once the Queen of Sheba surveys all that Solomon had and did, he says, I wouldn't have believed the reports until I came and saw it all with my own eyes. Then she observes something about those who are in the presence of the king. And then she herself, she just erupts with praise to God. My question is, what does she notice about the servants of Solomon? Let's read again verse 8. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. See what she notices about the guys in the presence of the king? Happy are your men. Happy are your servants. Maybe your version says blessed. Talk about, uh, talk about job satisfaction. Had Human Resources commissioned a survey for job satisfaction for the men working in the court of Solomon, it would have been off the charts. Solomon and working for him, these guys were, were so happy and blessed because they were continually in the presence of their king, listening to this guy. And I want to say, now, isn't that a beautiful picture of the life of a Christian? Those of us who have come to Christ as king, we are blessed with his presence in our lives. We are named as his in the throne, very throne room of heaven, and we have access to him 24-7 through prayer, and we hear him speak from the pages of this book. Like This is something that makes a difference to people's lives to the extent that people on the outside notice and take notice about this in our lives. There's great blessing for those who live daily in the presence of God's King and continually stand before him just wanting his input in our lives. It's a life of blessing to know that God, he knows you personally. As we heard earlier on, he listens to you and brings you to himself by his spirit, giving you his son. You can be with him forever. What a blessing. But you say, Elan, yeah, okay. I actually do know Christ is my king and my savior, but right now I do not feel blessed at all. In fact, I feel cursed. My happiness, long gone. I don't know how much longer I can continue. So I have, uh, I have, I have two cars. My, my commute car is an electric car. And uh, there's two things that I need to, to keep an eye on in a journey. The battery level, um, which displays as a percentage. And then there's also another readout that tells me how many kilometers or miles I've got left in my journey. So those, those two things, battery level and um, how long's left? Tank, metaphorically. There's no tank in an electric car. So, and so you just get used to uh, learning the distances between, between journeys. Say, so, okay, I've got to go here, it's 30 kilometers there. A round trip is 60 kilometers. Have I got that much left in my, in my battery to make it there? You just get used to that because the range is, sh is short. There was one evening, and uh, not too long ago, when I was out playing football, um, I was going to go out to play football, and the, the battery in my car wasn't, wasn't full. 
But I figured I'd be able to make the journey there and back. And I just have enough, just enough ju- juice left over to, to make it back home. With a few kilometers to spare. But you just never know how these things are going to go, right? Because uh, we all live in the same island. And uh, it's like this most of the time. It's an up and down. And uh, going uphill just takes more energy out of the car. Uh, so there's many variables. And on the way back, uh, going back home, the percentage was dropping lower and lower into the teens. And then into single digits. And then it, when it hit 8%, it didn't go to 7 It just changed to two dashes. It wasn't giving me a percentage anymore. The car was telling me that it itself didn't know how much life was left in the battery. So now I'm relying on how many kilometers or miles are left in this other readout that I've got. And after a couple of minutes, it does the same. So the two instruments that I was relying on to give me confidence that I was going to make a home, they stopped working for me. How was I to know that I was going to make it? What was I to do? Will over give up? Those of you, if you've got an electric car, it's called range anxiety. Range anxiety, and it's real. it's real. Well, listen, isn't that how it is with the life of the believer? We can be going along with Christ as king, but then all of a sudden, circumstances change. And the things that gave us confidence of the Lord's blessing in our life, they no longer work for us in the same way. And we begin to doubt the presence of God's king in our life. We think, Maybe he's removed it from us. How do I get it back? Do I even want it back if this is how he's going to treat me? What assurance do we have? The blessing of being in the presence of God's king transcends all our circumstances. That he will, it will always be there and he will always be there even when I think it isn't and I've lost that confidence. I think the answer to that question is in our passage. And I think the Queen of Sheba gets it. Gets what's going on. Because when she gets there, she's not taking a tour to some rich guy's house where, you know, everything there was just to serve his ego and power. No, she's she's the bigger picture. Let's read again verse 9. She erupts into praise. She says, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Okay? This was never about one man's quest for power. She knew that what made Solomon different from any other ruler was that he ruled on behalf of the Lord. And she saw that God delighted in his king. Let's read that again. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you. He was the one who raised Solomon up and put him on the throne of Israel. And she just erupts and says, praise the Lord. Blessed be the Lord of God who delights in you. And this delight in the king meant he gave everything to Solomon. He didn't hold back. And this just overflowed to the people of Israel. Because of God's delight in the king, they would know a rule of justice, a rule of righteousness, and a rule of love. Life in the kingdom would be good because God delighted in his king. 
Now, said we're answering the question that where should my confidence come from that I'm in fact blessed in the Lord when all around me seems to suggest otherwise. And it's this, God delights in his king. Hang around to the next chapter in 1 Kings and we'll see Solomon turn from the Lord. This was the high point, high point of the physical kingdom uh, of God on earth. And it's going to split and there'll be just a lot of poor kings that follow up after this. But it does give us the clearest picture of the rule of Christ in our hearts and our life now and what that coming rule is going to look like in the forever kingdom in heaven. Let me tell you this. God delights in his son. When Jesus emerges from the waters of baptism in Mark's gospel, a voice came from heaven along with the spirit descending like a dove saying, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And the teaching of the Bible is this, guys. The teaching of the Bible is this, that those who come in faith to Christ as King, we become united to Him, one with Him. And all that the Son has becomes ours, including the delight of the Father. Do we deserve that? No. Our sin demands that we are put the furthest place away from our holy God. Can we earn His delight? No. Does his delight wane? Does it go up and down like the hills in Ireland, depending on our performance as Christians? No. He's delighted right now with you because of his delight in the Son and all that the Son has done to guarantee this for us. His coming to earth, his sinless life, his death on the cross for the sin of the world, his resurrection, his ascension back to the throne of the Father, all so we can be transferred from this dominion of the darkness that we're born into, into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And that is the reality that is ours as Christians, no matter how we may feel. What a blessing that is that our King Jesus brings us. How do we respond to that? Like the Queen, we just say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord, for what you are doing in the world. Thank you, Lord, because, because of Christ alone, you are delighted in me. What a blessing to remember and to hold on to that when all indicators in your life are telling you the opposite. That you're not going to make it. That you've left the presence of God. That he's displeased with you. Nothing can be farther from the truth. We are blessed because God delights in us because of our King Jesus. And what we have to look forward to, look, it might not be an alleviation of the suffering you're going through in this life. It might take us to our grave. And one day it will. We can look forward to entering into that heavenly kingdom where all things are made new. Only made possible by Christ's sacrificial love for his people. And like the queen... We'll confess, and when we get there, we'll say this, the half of it was not told me. This surpasses all I could have imagined. He's the king that blesses. Lastly, God's king gives and receives. God's king gives and receives. Solomon and the queen of the south 
They give to one another. Let's read those verses again. Verse 10, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Verse 13, and King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired. Whatever she asked besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. She came loaded with a caravan of gold and spices and precious stones and and the gold points to just the quality of the exchange of gifts between these two people. And uh, the queen and her host, she really wanted to give King Solomon the best that she had. And because of his generosity, he gives whatever she asks out of what he had. And what he had was extremely valuable. He didn't read it. But verses 14 to 22, you can read me and get back home and get out a pen, describes his wealth. And I count at least 10 instances of the word, the word gold, describes all Solomon's wealth. It's gold this, gold that. Shields, drinking vessels, his throne was overlaid with gold, all this kind of stuff. So gold, 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 gold. But then there's, there's this little note in, in the second part of 21. We didn't read it in our reading, but let's read it now. Um, let's read the whole thing. Verse 21, all, all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold and the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. Silver wasn't considered anything in those, those days. Worthless. As in like the, the bad worthless. I know you can have something that's worthless and it's like more money than cents, but like not worth anything. Silver. There are many who believe today that uh, the traditional currencies of the world have had their day. Euro, sterling, dollar. Now, one day it's all going to be replaced by, uh, by digital cryptocurrency. And so you have people uh, like myself who have begun to invest in, a, in digital currency. Now, not many places take it at the moment. Um, you can buy a Tesla car, depending on how Elon Musk is feeling on the day. Um, but that's what some people believe. That the money we have now will be worthless in just a few years' time. Kind of like silver in Solomon's kingdom. And this is the thing. In God's kingdom, what the world thinks is valuable is actually useless. And what the world thinks is useless is actually the most precious And just like the Queen of Sheba, she didn't, she didn't come to get riches off Solomon. She came to experience God's king for herself, first and foremost. And then she just so happened to leave with more than she came with. So too are we to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And the heart of that Seeking the kingdom is seeking Christ and his will for your life. Wanting the priorities of his kingdom in our life more than anything. Wanting Christ himself more and more. And that is a miracle. By default, we don't want God in our life. But the fact that some of us do shows 
that he has changed something in us that make us seek his will ahead of our own. And he can cultivate that, that desire in us. His Holy Spirit in, enlarges our hearts for Christ and grows in us a desire to love the things in the world less. And he gives that desire to us. That's what he has to give us. And as time goes on, we become less concerned with wanting the treasures of this life, increasing our disposable income, staying in fashion with, with clothes and gadgets. All of these things that our hearts pull towards, we just become less enamored with them and more taken with Christ. And we just want more of him and less of our sin. We want him to be glorified more in the world. We want for his church to grow and for his kingdom to come. We just want that more than anything. Can you honestly say that that is what you want more than anything? More than your own comfort. More than your own dreams. More than your own health. That stuff is worthless in the kingdom. It's silver. In a place full of gold. Brothers and sisters, that is what he gives in abundance. Hearts that want his kingdom to come instead of our own. And we can't get that desire anywhere else. So he gives us a desire for himself and he receives from those in his kingdom. <clears throat> Solomon, he had all he needed for his kingdom to be established. God gave, God, gave, God gave it to him it all. God gave to him it all. So he didn't need the presence from the queen or anyone else. Not with the mountains of gold he already had, right? But he did receive gifts. And so too, with us and Christ, we can give to him in service for his kingdom. Anything at all as a response to his rule. Not to earn it. Simple response. The king. He doesn't need what we give to him. Okay, just like I don't need a drawing from my three-year-old of our family. Okay, colored stick men. It's not turquoise sea on the pier. But when he gives it to me, it goes on the wall. For everyone to see. Because I love him. And he loves me. And this is a way for him to show it. Christ gratefully receives our time, our talents, service. None of them go to waste in his kingdom. God, God's king gives his hearts for his will and receives acts of service. So, who have we met recently that has blown us away? Nobody like Solomon, probably. And certainly, no one like Jesus, God's King. For he takes our breath away. He answers our questions and is the answer to all life's questions. The work that he is doing in the world through his church is unmatched and will one day make everything new. Brings blessing, happy and blessed are those in his presence for because the Father delights in him. The Father delights in him and therefore delights in us. What a blessing. He gives to us a desire to seek his kingdom 
first ahead of her own and receives from us gifts of service. Pray with me as I close and hand back. Our Heavenly Father, you have given us your Son, Jesus, who we confess to be our King, and Lord, he takes our breath away. Give us hearts that long for him more and more. We thank you, Lord, that in your presence there is great blessing. But Lord, sometimes we don't feel it. We feel like we're drowning. But Lord, help us to know that we have your delight because of what Christ has done. Thank you, Lord, that you give us hearts for him. Thank you, Lord, that we can re- respond to you in small ways of service, ways that seem small in terms of what you're doing. But Lord, you are happy to receive it. What a great king we have in Jesus, in his name.